Today's interview topic might not excite you, but it's certainly a useful one. We're talking insurance. I learned from, from personal experience the importance of a good insurance policy. You'll hear all about that and how luck was actually on my side in the interview. Other than my story though, you'll learn what means what in your policy and about the application for accepting risk so that you can make sure all your business activities are actually covered. And for the members tuning into the second half, you'll learn the difference between all the policy types that you may or may not want to consider and why. And if you listen to this episode and start thinking, geez, what else do I need to set up? Our Business Foundations Challenge is for you. In week one of the Business Foundations Challenge, we cover insurance as part of setup, along with bank accounts and business registration. The following weeks help you build up your business to hit your goals the way that you want to. Some participants stick with digital only, others switch to product, some spend time with network marketing, others more online. There's a class on systems, and of course, the crowd favorite is always the what to say and when class. You'll receive all the resources that you need to implement changes to grow a business that can thrive. Want to join? Next challenge begins 9th of January. Head to foundations.thepetphotographersclub.com to enroll. Welcome to the Pet Photographers Club. Tune in as experts share their insights to help grow your business with higher sales, creative marketing, and kick-arse business strategies. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Pet Photographers Club. I'm Kirsty McConnell and today I'm chatting with Stephanie of Harvard Western Insurance. Welcome to the club, Stephanie. Thank you. <laughs> so we're all photographers, uh, myself, all the listeners. So insurance isn't the most exciting topic for us, but uh, we are also in business. And so we know it is super important for us to be covered. But before we do dive into cover and you can elaborate further into what we should do, I'd love for you just to give a brief intro into who you are so the listener knows that they are in good hands with the advice that you share today. Excellent. Yes. Uh, so I did work as a photographer for um, 20 years. I took a photography program in Edmonton, um, a two-year diploma program, and had been working as a photographer while raising my kids. I have to admit that while working as a photographer, I didn't know anything about insurance either. When we moved from one location for my husband's job, it was hard to build my business again, and I took a day job, and that's when I got into insurance. Not a lot of people choose insurance. Um, we just end up in there, and it's a great job, so we stay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and so before, when you were shooting, Stephanie, what were you shooting mostly? Family weddings, pets and all? I lived in a small community, so I did everything from passport photos to babies, families, weddings, even like photos of scars for um, our in, uh, for insurance purposes. That was the weirdest one to do. <laughs> that is weird. <laughs> the weirdest shoot I've ever done is photographing a crocodile, but I don't think that really competes with photographing a scar. 
<laughs> that depends on where the scar is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, you do have a photography background. Now you've been working in insurance for a little while. So tell us from your experience as a photographer that didn't know anything about insurance and now you do what kind of things do you see that photographers are not covered for that they definitely should be the there are several ways to purchase insurance for your business Um, and a lot of people who are home-based will choose to add it as a rider on their home insurance what I didn't know about that rider on my home insurance was that I didn't have coverage when I took my gear out of the house. And so there's not a lot of us that don't shoot out of the house. And I tripped and fell at a wedding, broke my camera. I didn't have coverage for it because it wasn't in my house. So it's a little unfortunate that I didn't know what was covered, when it was covered, and where it was covered. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had to keep that as just a cost of doing business to repair that myself. Okay, okay. So... That's actually a good starting point, I think. So there must be a way for us to understand a little bit better what actually is being covered when we do take out a policy because what's the point in paying all this money if it doesn't cover you for 90% of the time? I remember I heard a story once that somebody's, this was in Australia, so I'm sure it varies country to country. We'll talk about that in a minute. But somebody's camera gear was on their back seat of their car uh, at a wedding or something, I think. And it got broken into and stolen and it wasn't insured because it wasn't in the boot of the car. But if it was in the boot of the car, it would have been covered. (laughs) So how do we find out like all the ins and outs of this? Can we go through a broker? Do we have to read all the fine print ourselves? Like what is the safest way for us to make sure that we're actually covered what we need to be? Absolutely. So there are wordings that go with your policy. So your policy is going to have two or three parts to it. Um, The first part is the declaration page, short deck page. The deck page defines the limits that you have in each of your coverages. So let's say you have $20,000 of equipment coverage. That would be defined on that page. So if you had a loss and it was more than $20,000, you'd only get $20,000. Then there is the wording, which then explains what's covered and what's not covered. So that's where you start to see your exclusions and your warranties. So usually the coverage is going to be comprehensive when we're dealing with something in this manner, which means it's covered for everything except for a list of exclusions, which is in your wording. So for example, in our coverage in that situation we actually have a locked vehicle warranty so that means that it could be sitting out in the open in your car with our policy but the vehicle has to be locked so in order to prove that it was stolen there has to be a sign that the vehicle was broken into because mysterious disappearances where there's no evidence of of illegal activity aren't covered in the policy. And that is in the list of exclusions that you would find on your wording document. And then the last part that could be included as part of your policy is the application itself. When we are writing insurance, the application includes some extra details, like high-risk activities are declared in that. And so the application 
would include that, yes, you photograph near the water. You know, dogs running out of the water would be adorable. So you have to declare that you are photographing near water because water would damage the equipment. And that would be recorded in the application. Now, if you have a loss and you haven't declared that in there, that means they haven't accepted that risk. The insurance company hasn't accepted that risk and you may not have coverage. Okay, so that's actually a really good example that you gave about dogs, you know, running through the water and as a pet photographer, us being close to the water and the risk of water damage is much higher for us probably than a studio photographer. And so that is a good example that we would need in our, um, what did you call it, application for accepting risk? Exactly, yeah, yeah, the application. Okay, so on that point of other examples, as pet photographers are, Is there something specific that we need in the wording of our insurance to cover us for other things, like not for gear insurance now, for other types of insurance, which maybe we'll break down in a minute, but for making sure that we're covered for if, you know, the dog that we're photographing is off the lead and they're allowed to be, but then they run away and they attack somebody that's walking by. How do we make sure that we're covered for that? Or is that always going to fall on the client? Like what happens in a situation like that in terms of insurance? That's a very good question. Basically, they're going to get the money where they can get the money. So if you are involved in the situation at all, you are at risk, regardless of whether it's your pet or someone else's pet. So basically what would be happening is someone were injured, they would sue. And the suit would go against anybody who is uh, potentially at fault. They often will name more than one defendants in that case. So you could be the location. So like if you were shooting in a national park in Canada, the location that you're at could be at fault or named in the suit, as well as the owner of the pet. So in that case, your Insurance companies should be aware that you are photographing pets, but in my experience, there have been no concerns for pets in in the operations. That is not considered a high-risk operation. Okay. Does that vary depending on the animal? Do you know? I would think that it would vary based on the company um, and what their appetite for risk is. Um, Mm, okay mm -hmm. that makes sense yeah because I'm just thinking of like in a different situation for example like um, outside of insurance in uh, let's take Australia as the example in Australia there are uh, some dog breeds Mm -hmm. that you that do not exist in Australia because they were never brought over and now there is a ban Um, for example I had no idea that there was such a thing as a Czechoslovakian wolf dog until I moved here to Italy because in Australia they do not exist and uh, obviously I live under a rock in terms of Instagram, etc. Um, <laughs> and so I really didn't know about this check was a fucking wolf dog. And um, I, I only saw them when I was, you know, walking in my hometown here. And I said to Marco, oh, my God, is that a wolf on a lead? <laughs> and my husband and he explained to me about this breed. And it's super common over here. But in Australia, we don't have them. And that's because whoever within the policymaking in Australia has declared that they're a dangerous dog. Um, And so it just doesn't exist in Australia at all. So I imagine things like that would also impact insurance policy. Absolutely. Um, You have no coverage for when you are doing something criminal. So if you are in a situation where a dog 
and, and a lot of boxers and, and that kind of thing in certain communities in Canada here are considered illegal dogs. They possibly could then consider that an illegal activity because you were involved with an illegal dog in that situation, in that location. And then you would have no coverage. Okay, probably a better example that I used, although that answered the question well, is like, what if, because my example before was I'm photographing a dog off lead in an environment that they're allowed to be off lead. But then if the situation was different to that, and I photographed the dog off lead at a dog beach where they're supposed to be on lead, that's an illegal activity. Correct. So you're not covered whatsoever. Whatsoever. Okay, good. Very important, I think, for everybody to hear that for sure, because I'm pretty sure that everybody or a lot of people do the sneaky every now and again. So good to know that you're not covered if anything goes wrong. So consider twice. Every day you probably are making choices as to what risk you personally are willing to take. Are you near a playground where children are playing and that dog could have a prey instinct, right? So you're making that choice right in that instant. So we want to avoid a claim as much as possible, but also manage the risk by being smart about the location we're in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Now I want to dive deeper into different types of insurance because in the beginning of this chat, we were talking about gear as an example. And then we moved into like what happens with, in the case of, you know, a dog attack, for example, yes. they're just extreme situations. So I know, or I'm assuming um, that you're going to tell us that they're two different policies and I want to dive into that, but I want to keep that for the members because somehow we're already halfway through this interview. <laughs> so before I um, wrap up part one, I would love for you to share where the listener can find more about you and maybe get in contact. If they're in Canada, do you actually service outside of Canada, Stephanie? Unfortunately, we don't. Just Canada and unfortunately not the Maritimes or Quebec. So we're in the Prairies and Ontario, um, BC. Okay. Yeah. Our company, Harvard Western Insurance, has been providing photography insurance for over 30 years for companies across Canada. Our website, harvardwestern.com, has our photography link and you can go in and quote for free all by yourself at midnight whenever you have a chance to think about insurance. If you're laying awake at night, head on to our website and go through the questions and you can get a price right there. You can even put in your payment information and buy it online. It's a great product providing um, coverages for almost everything you can think that you would need. Wow. Okay, great. That's super simple. So if you're um, in either of those regions in Canada, definitely check it out. If somebody is not in those regions, is there like, just quickly, Stephanie, some tips or advice that you can give to our listeners that are in other parts of the world for maybe how they can see who is a reputable uh, insurance company? <laughs> Absolutely. So there is something called AM Best. AM Best is a rating of how their claims process is, how many claims they close compared to how many are taken, as well as their financial backing, whether they are going to go to business on you all of a sudden or whether they are financially able to handle their business. So you want to look for an AM Best rating. Uh, your local insurance broker is a really good um, person to get uh, advice from. 
because they will know the market that is that is around your area and what's available. You can Google photography insurance or photography equipment insurance, but that's where you want to make sure that you're doing a little bit of extra research on those products. Like I said, there's two options for getting your coverage. You can do a rider on your existing policy, or you can get a separate commercial policy. It just depends on where you are and what's available. Okay, that's great um, tip. And I'm going to put a link to AM Best in the show notes for anybody that wants to check that out if you're in the zone for looking for new insurance. So um, that's it for part one. If you're a member of the club, of course, you can continue listening to part two in the member zone or, of course, via your private RSS feed in your favorite podcast player. Don't forget, if you're not a member of the club, you can join us today. It's just 10 bucks a month. Club membership includes loads of perks and bonus content. So head on over to thepetphotographersclub.com to find out more. Thanks for listening to the Pet Photographers Club. To subscribe to the podcast, check out other episodes, and keep up to date, head to thepetphotographersclub.com.